Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I pray and I've been praying that you'll lean in to this message that I have for you this morning. It's a New Year's message. The title of this message, get ready, it's kind of cheesy. Uh, it's something I heard. It's New Year, New You. Have you heard this phrase? It's kind of just an uplifting uh, phrase and I'll explain it. But I really, I have some good news for you. And some of you, I just feel like the Lord has something for you this morning. And it's just kind of a hopeful maybe. Are you ready for this hopeful maybe? Just like maybe this good thing will happen. And here's the good thing that I pray will happen. That maybe some of you have been in a situation or maybe you've been struggling with something or maybe you've had a battle or a burden or a hurt or a hang up or a habit or something in your life that you're just like, man, I, I hope that this new year that, that God will do something and that his grace will help me out of this situation, this thing that you've been dealing with, maybe throughout 2022, maybe some of you would say, I've been struggling with this as far back as I can remember. Well, I have some good news. And a good news is like, maybe the grace of the Lord will cover you and there, this year will start something brand new in you and this new season of grace. You know, his mercies are new every single day. This new thing would happen inside of you where his grace is sufficient and like a miracle working in your life, there will be something new. Can you say amen if you agree with that? Amen. Good. Okay. Would you turn in your scriptures, in your Bible, if you brought your Bible, you need a thumbs up. It, well, first of all, if you're just here this morning, I mean, it's this. It's, we got a full crowd today, which I praise the Lord for, but some of you were up late last night and you're like, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to church. So give yourself one thumbs up for that. And if you brought your Bible, whether it's an electronic, like if you have an app or if you have a paper Bible, give yourself another thumbs up. Look around, give people two thumbs up. Good job, guys. Ephesians chapter one. I'm about to read a passage that's just four sentences. It's just four sentences, and it is so full of the Lord's grace, his mystery on how salvation works, and the things that he has for us. Isn't it amazing that you could take four sentences from the word of God, and it can be so full and impactful for your life. I feel like this passage uh, is one of those passages that's just chock full. So I'm going to read it slow. I'm going to stop along the way and I'm going to like help us understand what is in this passage. So Ephesians chapter one, we're going to start in verse 17. And this is Paul's letter to the people at Ephesus. He's writing a letter to the Ephesians and he starts off, he says, I'm gonna pray for you and listen to what he prays. And then he, it's, it's Paul. So it's, it's deep, these, these four sentences within them, it kind of goes back and forth and tries to explain things along the way. So you'll really have to listen in. Would you stand with me out of respect and honor uh, for the word of God? If you're able, would you stand? Ephesians chapter one, Verse 17 says this, it's Paul. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. So he's saying, I'm praying to the Father that he may give you, do you know this verse? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. 
Think about that. He's praying for, for, did you know that you could receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that you can know God better? This is really good news. Verse 18 continues. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's an interesting metaphor, isn't it? The eyes of your heart. We all have eyes. Many of us have the gift of vision. We can see the world around us. We can observe it. But did you know that you have metaphorically, spiritually, eyes of your heart to see the spiritual world around you as well as our natural eyes? So Paul prays. I'm going back here. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order, listen to all this, that you may know the hope to which he called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Do you see all that? This is for us. Like we can have hope, riches, inheritance, and power. And then Paul's going to explain what this power is like. It's not diesel power. It's not lithium ion power. It's not carbohydrate donut power. Listen to the power that we have inside of it. Just think about this. Just dwell on this next time you're down and think you have this power. What kind of power in you? The power is the same, praise God, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms Far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Wow, that power, amen. And then he talks more about Jesus here, who this Jesus is. Jesus is that God has placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You say, thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, you are in our midst. God, we receive these things that you promise us here that we can have hope, inheritance, riches, power, the same power that that raised Christ from the dead. That's inside of us. And Lord, may we walk in that. May we have your grace. May we seek your holiness and your righteousness in our lives. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people in 2023 shouted, Amen. amen. You may be seated. I've got a New Year's sermon for you, very appropriate for this day, don't you think? Um, I have uh, the, the three points. That's uh, kind of the best kind of sermon. I, I, now I say that, and sometimes my sermons aren't three-point three, three point sermons, but I think the, the, the most natural sermon for me to at least preach, it helps me in my organization, is a three-point sermon. And I have for you today a Three-point sermon. So the first point is this. I'm going to talk about uh, a New Year's time for self-evaluation. And some of you, uh, I realize some of you might not like New Year's. Uh, You're just like, what's the deal? It's one more day, one more click. You know, it's just all just kind of man-made. We just put numbers behind things. And I get all that. But it is a time of year where people in general, even non-Christians, the the whole society is like, this is a time of reflection and looking forward about like, what should my life be? What could my life be? And I started off this sermon by saying, maybe, the hopeful maybe, just maybe, like just think about this in your own life. Maybe 
you're struggling with something, you're dealing with something, you're, you have a battle, you have a burden, and just maybe, God never wanted you to carry that. Maybe, just maybe, God's grace inside of you is gonna give you a new you. That's the title of this sermon, a new year, a new you. And I think sometimes people think that phrase. I've heard it in, in, the, in, the, in the world, people just talking about, you know, oh, new year, new you. And I think that what they think it means is you get a new situation. And, and I'm saying, you know what? Maybe your situations are gonna stay the same, but the newness can be inside of you. The newness of God's grace, his grace is new every day. That can be inside of you. And despite your circumstances, you can be a new you because of what God is doing inside of you. Amen? Amen. So some of the circumstances that people think, oh, if I just you know, had a new circumstance, I wrote down some ideas. If you just had a new job, or if you just moved to a new city, or sometimes you think, oh, if I just had a new house or a new apartment, or if I just had some newer stuff, or if I just had a newer, better salary, or if I had a new group of friends, or if I had a new church, or if I had a new family or a new family member, or some of you are thinking, man, you know, some of you maybe have gone through this process in your life or are just struggling with this or know someone who's struggling with this. Some of you might even say, if I had a new spouse, like, the, you know, if my outside circumstances could change, well, then everything would just be great. And the unfortunate news to that is that, you know, even if your outside circumstances change, the inside, if it doesn't change, like, you'll, you'll probably be just in the same place. And I can speak to that from firsthand knowledge. Uh, I, I grew up in a military family. Anybody else grew up in a military family? Couple hands, this is a military town. Uh, my dad was in the military. He texted me this morning saying he's gonna watch online. So, hi, dad. Hi, mom. Um, and I thank you, dad, for your service in the military. And it, it was just the way of life that I had, especially in my really early young adulthood years of moving quite a bit. High school is how many years? Four years. I went to three different high schools in three different cities in the four years of my high school. In college, I went to two different colleges in two different cities. In my master's degree, I was working at, uh, on my degree at Fuller Seminary. Uh, I, was, I jumped to here and then to LA, so I was in two different cities during those years. In 11 years of my young adulthood life, I moved seven times. And I can tell you firsthand, like I look back at my life and say, you know, some of the things I was dealing with, some of the uh, I would say like depression, some of the like shyness, some of the like just I just didn't have a very good self-esteem or confidence about myself. Like those things didn't change all of a sudden because I changed my circumstances. In fact, when I, some of those moves were extra hard and it brought out more of the things I was dealing with. So I want to tell you firsthand knowledge that the, this whole thing of like a new year, new you, like whatever circumstances you have in your life, those may or may not change, but the inside, what's inside of you can change. The Lord's grace, the Lord's miracle, his power can be inside of you, and that's what can be a new you inside of you. Let me, let me show you this passage. We already read it today. Ephesians 1, it's my new favorite passage. I, I probably say that like once a month. It's like, oh, here's my new favorite passage. And, and it really is. Like I've been thinking about this all week and I'm like, I don't know what I told you last time was my favorite. I think it was a Psalm. Um, but now it's like today, like this one's new. This one's my new favorite. And it's just, wow. Because he talks about um, this prayer that you may have inside of you, the spirit 
of wisdom and revelation that you might know God better. And then he goes into verse 18 saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. And then he goes on to say, the riches and the glorious inheritance of his holy people. These things can be inside of you. And as you think, I'm gonna give you kind of a self-examination exercise in just a minute. Some of you are like, oh no, I don't wanna look inside, it's dark in there. But listen, no it's not. I'm gonna help you through a process where we just kinda listen to the Lord together and say, well, what is it that the Lord might be saying to you this morning? As you look in, as you examine your own life and think about who you are, the gifts, the callings, the, the struggles, the battles you have, I'm gonna ask you in a moment to, to focus in on what's one thing the Lord wants you to focus on? What's a burden? What's a situation? What's something you've been carrying that maybe the Lord doesn't want you? Maybe he never wanted you to carry that in the first place. But I think to know yourself, really, it's, it's, it's to know the creator. If you know God and you know the creator, well, then you know how the creator sees you. And if you know how the creator sees you, you're able to see yourself more clearly. Able to see the patterns in your own life that you've set up, maybe healthy patterns or maybe unhealthy patterns. I think uh, all of us would say that we've ended up somewhere that we shouldn't have, either metaphorically or literally or spiritually. And I can't just preach this message at you. This is me too. Like we've all ended up like going in, opening the door, sitting down, setting up a table, and then finding ourselves in a place that we're like, God, how did I get here? God, help me. Get me out of here. I'm not supposed to be here. And I wonder if God's like, what are you, you walked right in. You opened the door. You sat down. You smiled. You got your table ready. What do you mean, how did you get there? And then as you think and self-examine your life, you're like, yeah, that, that happens a lot. Like, I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm preaching to myself as well. Like we've all ended up in places. And I have a list of things. And some of these, you're like, oh, I'm good on that. I'm good on that. I wouldn't struggle with that. Well, then maybe the one you're struggling with is pride. Yeah, yourself. Thank you. Yeah, you're dealing with yourself. You're dealing with pride. You're dealing with your own uh, pride, whatever that is. It's, uh, it's, it's self-righteousness. That's what that is. So here's some things that we just, oh, I just ended up here and I don't know how I got here. Maybe it's out of control screen time. Maybe it's uh, gossip. Maybe it's uh, food addiction. Maybe it's substances. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's judgments. Maybe it's self-righteousness. Maybe it's an uncontrollable negativity that you find yourself in. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's binge watching. Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's an insane amount of like greed and wanting in the abundance of the society that we live in. Maybe it's along those lines, some sort of shopping addiction or whatever it is. I just mentioned a whole bunch. Some of you looked down. They're like, oh, that, that's mine. Some of you are like, oh, you didn't mention mine. Well, every, we all have something. And here's the exercise. I, I want you to think of just one thing that the Lord is putting on your, your heart right now. And you might, like me, say, well, I have five, I have 10 things, whatever. I want you to think about what this exercise is like, what's the one thing? You know, if you, if you had to like, and, and I, I'm not gonna have you say this out loud. I'm not gonna have you write it down. This is between you and the Lord. Like if you were to just listen to the Lord right now and listen to your own heart as, as you're like 
the things that you're struggling with, the things you're carrying. Maybe it's, it's not like a habit or an addiction. Maybe it's just a situation that you can't get out of. Maybe it's a burden. Maybe it's something that, that isn't sin, but like just a weight upon your shoulder. And you're just like, Lord, would you help me? This is the thing that I really want you to come in and your grace to come in and, and fill me so that this thing can be behind me. Does everyone have something? I'm not asking you to say it out loud. I'm not asking you to even write it down. Just between you and the Lord, do you have something? You'd say, yeah, that, that's between me and the Lord. That's the thing that, that, man, wouldn't it be awesome if that's now passed? Wouldn't that be awesome? I've been struggling with this for years and years, but you'd say, yeah, the Lord's grace is sufficient. And this thing, wouldn't it be awesome if that thing could be behind you? Well, here's the second point of this sermon. Let's, um, whatever you've named in your mind before the Lord, uh, point number two is this. It's New Year's is often a time for setting goals, intentions, and habits. And these things, these goals, intentions, and habits, these are the things, you know, it's, it's not brain science or, or uh, rocket science or brain surgery. I was about to say rocket surgery or brain science. <laughs> <laughs> rocket surgery. Thank you, David. Uh, it's not, this isn't rocket surgery. This is, I mean, if you want to start a new, if you keep finding, here's the thing, you keep finding yourself in the same pattern of like, oh, I keep struggling with the same thing. Well, then what you need is just new patterns. I mean, this is, this is the work of the Lord. This is how we get to know the Lord. You might be like, well, how do I get to know the Lord? How, you know, how, how does this happen? Well, I would say it's, 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 let's simplify it. Like, how do you get to know anyone? You spend time with them. Well, how do you get to know the Lord? Well, let's simplify. You just spend time with him. If you spend time with the Lord, then you'll know him. And if you really know him, then you'll know yourself because he created you and you know yourself from his perspective and you'll really be able to set up new habits, new intentions, new goals in your life to put the things that you want to put behind you, behind you, right? So you could quote me on that. This is not rocket surgery. That's, that's the quote you got from, write that down. This isn't rocket surgery. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm cracking myself up up here. Um, so the whole thing, I mean, I'm kind of talking about New Year's resolutions. And I realize that in the Christian world, uh, there may be some people, maybe some of you are like, I, you don't like New Year's resolutions. Some of you be like the first one to raise your hand. I'm not going to do that because I'm, I kind of like New Year's resolutions, but I understand if you don't, I wrote down three ideas that, yeah, I don't like New Year's resolutions either if it's, if it's one of these three things. And maybe you've like had some bad experiences either in your own life or you've seen uh, people around you like really mess up when it comes to New Year's resolutions. Like I knew a person that it was like July and he was struggling with this thing and he was like, man, and the New Year's Year, my New Year's resolution is going to be to get rid of this thing in my life. It's a sin, and I really need to deal with this. So once New Year's comes around, I'm going to get rid. I was like, "It's July. You have sit. You're going to wait till till January to start dealing with this." Okay, that would not be a good idea, right? We could all agree. Like that. That's not. That's not a good way to do New Year's resolutions. You should have a new day resolution, new hour resolutions, where you believe and know that the grace of God and His mercy is new every day. Right? We'd all say, "Amen." Yes. The second thing is uh, we've probably all had experiences with this. Uh, if you've been, if you've ever done a New Year's resolution, you like start in January, and how far do you get? 
January 2nd. I heard somebody said February. So maybe somebody said March. Maybe somebody might have said, oh, the summer. Usually it's, it's, there's this like expectation that you have a, a New Year's resolution and, and this thing of like, okay, as soon as you've messed up, then it's like, well, forget that. There's always next year. It's like the, the, the mess up leads to like, well, just forget the whole thing. Like if, I'm gonna give you two silly examples. Like if your uh, New Year's resolution, you've been thinking about it, is to give up donuts. And then you came in this morning, did you see we had donuts? And you walked in and you're like, ah, forget it. You ate a donut, it's like, ah, 2024 is just a little ways away. Forget the whole year. Like, no, that's, that's a horrible. Like if you really have a resolution, let's say, here's another silly one. You have a New Year's resolution to take vitamins every day. And so you, st- you took your vitamin today, you high-fived, you, you yeah, you, you did great. You took your vitamin and you take your vitamin tomorrow. And then at some point in February, like you forget one day. You're like, oh, I didn't take my vitamin yesterday. And you're like, ah, oh, forget it. You take the vitamins, whoosh, throw them in the trash can. You're like, forget it. I, I tried. You, that's silly, right? What, what are you supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to take, you know, when you remember, you take it and then you get back on track, right? And so some people, Christians, some Christians don't like New Year's resolutions because of that like expectation that like as soon as you mess up, well, then the whole year is out. You've messed up. And, and just like in those two examples, it would be silly to, you know, so, sometimes Christians have resolutions to read through the Bible in a year. Anybody, anybody, have you, has anybody ever done that? It's, it's, it's no joke. It's like 15 to 20 minutes of reading every single day. And if you miss a day, well, then the next day you're at 30 minutes and you're like, oh, great, I don't have 30 minutes today. So then you miss another day and then it's 45 minutes. And then I think it would be silly if that's your resolution to read through the Bible, to stop at that. You know, you miss a day or two and you're just like, oh, forget the whole thing. Well, what I would say is, is walk in the grace of the Lord and to, to keep on. We'll pick up where you left off and if you've really resolved to read through the scripture, well, you, you might not do it in a year if, if you keep missing days like that, but that's okay. You've got it into a new habit and that habit is gonna pay off. You're gonna read the scripture and that in itself is a great thing, right? So I think some Christians, uh, to, to kind of recap what I'm saying, some Christians don't like resolutions because of that, like, oh, you miss one, now the whole thing's done. And I would say that that's just not how life works. That's not how habits are formed. If you mess up, you get back on and you keep going, right? Amen? The third thing is that some Christians don't like about New Year's resolutions is that it's like this thing is like all me. Like I'm gonna do this thing. It's my resolve. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna buckle down. I'm gonna pull myself up by my own bootstraps. And, and, and some Christians are like, hey, where's grace in all of that? And that's a legitimate response. If you don't like New Year's resolutions because you see too many people just relying on yourself and their own strength, well, well yeah, that's, that's not how we you know, go forward in life. That's not how a good Christian goes about their walk. A walk with Christ is just that, leaning and relying upon his grace. Amen? So those things aside, um, here's some ways to start a habit. If you want to start a habit of... The one I'm presenting to you is, you know, whatever you're struggling with, you could, you could spend all your time with that struggle and like wanting to fight and just gritting your teeth, or you could be over here spending time with the Lord. And what I'm arguing, what I'm saying is maybe time with the Lord, getting to know him is actually a much better use of your time than like gritting your teeth and fighting this thing out over here. 
Whatever you're wanting to change in your life, whatever in the exercise I just gave you, whatever it is the Lord is speaking to you, well, if you spend time with him, well, then you're, it's, it's like a, it's a habit that's like a keystone habit. Anybody ever heard of the book? I read this last year, uh, Atomic Habits. Anybody read that book? Pretty good book, uh, a secular book about just how, for, how habits are formed. I really enjoyed reading it. And one of the things I enjoyed in that book was this idea that you can form a keystone habit. That let's just say, you know, he, he's not a Christian in the book, but let's say you wanted to get to know God better. And you're like, okay, Joe said it's not, uh, what I say, it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> this isn't rocket surgery. This should be easy. Okay, I just want to spend time with God. So if I want to spend time with God, then I, I got to create some time. And so let's just say, you're like, okay, for right now, you might say, I don't have a current daily routine with the Lord. I'm going to start one. Uh, I want to start that as a habit. So you're like, okay, I'm going to get up five minutes early and I'm going to spend five minutes with the Lord. That's where you're going to start. And you're going to make it a daily thing. And that's a great place to start, by the way. So you're like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm five minutes early. And uh, the, the book goes into, if you really want to start a habit, then you have to set yourself up. So, so you get your Bible. You don't just have this idea that you're going to spend time with the Lord. You're like, okay, here's where I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it at the kitchen table. I'm going to take the Bible and I'm going to open it to Ephesians. And I'm just going to start tomorrow morning in Ephesians 1. The Bible is set. It's on the kitchen table. The alarm is set for five minutes earlier than normal. You go downstairs. You spend the time with the Lord. And then what this book argues, that this is the example I've taken from the book, by the way. It, the book is once again called Atomic Habits. Great book. And I'm kind of just giving my own example of what a keystone habit could look like in the life of a Christian. So you, you start that habit. And for maybe seven, eight days, you've been reading the Bible every day. You've been thinking about the word of God. You've been spending time with the Lord. And this somehow like just gives you more spiritual confidence. You, you begin to think about the Lord more and you begin to uh, walk about at your workplace thinking through these scriptures. And in thinking through them, you, maybe you talk with someone else about Ephesians and the power that's in us is the same power that rose Christ from the dead. You're like, wow, that's cool. I never thought about that. And that conversation leads to another conversation. And then you're like thinking about it. And then you're like, like really like beginning to, man, I love that time in the morning because it feeds me throughout the day. And it becomes this keystone habit where it's just like, oh, well, I'm not sure when that pattern became a habit, but it did. That's kind of how habits work. And what I'm just in a practical way telling you to do is to take care of the roots of your life. Here's another silly uh, phrase. I heard this. It, it says this, look after the roots and the fruits will look after themselves. I'll say that again. If you look after the roots in your life, look after the roots and the fruits of your life will look after themselves. This kind of looking inward, this kind of uh, taking care of the roots of your life, it's, it has to do with the power of God that's inside of you. Let me remind you, Ephesians chapter one, verse 19, talks about the power that is available to us who believe. And it says this, his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Amen. Like that power is inside of you. 
And I, I, I have a sense that many of you, like me, have probably had New Year's resolutions or goals in the past. I know for me, every year in December, I sit down, and sometimes it's an afternoon. Uh, this year, I got to spend two days and do a spiritual retreat and look through, okay, what are my goals what are my intentions for 2023? If I want, if one of my goals is to get to know the Lord better, then what am I gonna do about that? And I got to write out a little description of, okay, here's some things daily I wanna do, weekly that I wanna do, monthly that I wanna do in order to obtain this, this lofty goal of trying to know the Lord better. And if, if some of you are like that, like me, like sitting down and, and doing goals or resolutions, well, then there probably comes a time somewhere for me, it'll be in 2023, where I kind of wake up and I'm like, wait, oh yeah, I had those goals. I had those intentions. And at some point, I, I kind of let the ball drop. Does, has anybody ever been there? I see a lot of heads. Like this is, this is something we, I think we've, we've all you know, had these lofty ideas. And then at some point, there's failure, there's forgetting there's then looking back and feeling inadequate. And I have the, the rest of this sermon, I wanna speak to that. So this last point is this, a New Year's theology of grace and effort. And it's this discussion we have as Christians between grace and works, between grace and discipleship, grace and salvation, and grace and works. Like some people have this thought this question of how Christianity works. It's very a, a very elementary understanding of how Christianity works. Someone might say, hey, I when I die, I wanna go to heaven. And so what do I need to do? Like how many good works do I need to have uh, in order to go to heaven? Like some people see that as like, oh, that's what these Christians are doing. They're, they're trying to get to heaven. And so they're trying to do good things. And that's, a very, that's, a, that's really a wrong and a very elementary way of understanding what Christianity is. In fact, it's like a wrong question. If you have the question like, what, what works do I need? What good things do I need to do to get to heaven? Like that's just a bad question because we would say, well, to answer the question, we would say, well, you're not saved by works. We, we would first probably say, that's not a good question. Like we're not just, you know, when we die, we're trying to get to heaven. We are trying to live our lives in a way that exemplifies the Lord, not just after we die, but throughout our lives. We're trying to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We're trying to live our, way, our life in such a way that we'd say, we are saved, we have been saved, and we will be saved. The idea of sanctification is very important as Christians. It's not just, oh, when I die, I got this ticket to go to heaven. That's, that's not, we would just say that's a bad way to think about it. But if someone does think about it like that and they say, well, what must I do to be saved? We would say, well, you don't need to work towards your salvation. You, salvation is by, it's by grace. You receive the grace of the Lord. You receive his works on our behalf and then we are saved. And so this dilemma between grace and works comes about because then you have passages like James 2. Do you know this passage? Anybody familiar with James chapter two? It's, it's James is like carrying out an argument in his own head, like on paper. And he's saying, you know, someone might say, I have grace. And someone else might say, I have works. And someone will say, I have grace. And, and, and this, this person, James, is like, well, I will show you 
my grace by what I do. Like, I'll show you these deeds that I have. And it it gets into this argument where, like, if you have the grace inside of you, then, of course, what will come out is good works. But it's not the good works that save you. It's the grace that saves you. But if you have the grace inside of you, then you will do good works. It's, It's kind of circular in its argument, but it makes sense that a true life of faith and grace inside of you, just what comes out of you is good works. And so you might say, someone might say, oh, I just believe, I just have faith, but I don't have any works. James would say, well, then maybe that grace that you have and that faith that you have isn't the true kind of faith that you should have because a true kind of faith that you should have will have works that goes with it. Is everybody confused? Okay, is that good. I heard somebody say, no, I'm not confused. Good. I mean, this is gospel, and yet it's confusing to those who really don't understand like how grace and faith, how faith and works are put together. Here's a theologian. His name is Dallas Willard. He gives this great quote that says this, grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. It's another way to say it. Like we don't earn our salvation, but we receive it by grace. And then out of that grace that's inside of us, Well, of course we strive for holiness. Of course we strive to be filled with the presence of the Lord and for his righteousness. Think about Ephesians 1.22. It's the same passage that I've already read. It's, It's the last part of it. And it says this, God has placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So it's really, it goes back to this, who's, who's the one giving the power? Where's this grace coming from? Who's the one doing the filling of our lives? Well, it's, it's the Lord. It's him inside of us. And so I have, I want to just conclude with um, this statement uh, that a good sermon, maybe you've heard this before, a good sermon should comfort the afflicted. Have you heard this? And afflict the comfortable. A good sermon the, the, the preaching of the word of God should comfort the afflicted. Meaning if you're coming in here and you're just like, man, I, I, I'm feeling, like I said the, the words, like maybe you're struggling with something, maybe you're feeling a burden and you're like, yeah, that's, that's me. I've been dealing with a situation or a sin or I've been weight, weighted down by abuse and neglect, all this stuff. If you've come in here afflicted, well then this same sermon, what I'm preaching to you, I pray would comfort you. And on the other side of that, if you've come in here comfortable, like maybe even self-righteous, you've come in here and it's like, oh, you must be talking about somebody else. I'm not struggling with nothing. Well, then I pray that this same sermon, this same getting from the word of God and looking at Ephesians 1 and preaching here, that somehow that would afflict you. And by what I mean by that is, I, I pray that this would challenge you, like deeply, like, oh, maybe I don't have it all together. Maybe the person that's being preached to is me. And I should say that about myself. Maybe I'm preaching, but the one who needs to hear it is the one who's saying it. A good sermon, the, the preaching of the word of God should comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And I feel like this, this sermon thus far has been a lot of challenge. It's been high afflicting those who are comfortable. And what I want to say right now is a reminder that the Lord is here to comfort you. The Lord, if you're coming in here afflicted, I pray this, this 
this sermon would comfort you. And I think about the disciple Peter. He's, he's mentioned more than all the other disciples. He's, um, you know, he's, he's the, the one who denies Jesus. At the end, when Jesus is arrested and he is going before Pilate and then Caiaphas and Herod, he, he goes to his, uh, his going to his death. There's these certain scenes where we see Peter denying Jesus. Uh, Jesus is right there. He could use help. He could use someone on his side. He could use some comfort himself. And here's Peter denying. Oh, I don't know him. I'm not one of the disciples. I'm not a Galilean. No, no, no. I don't even know him. Peter has a pretty rough year. I mean, that, that was a hard moment in his life where he denies his friend. He denies his savior. He denies his teacher, the one he's been following. And then there's the moment where Jesus is on the cross. He dies and he's buried. He's resurrected. And then Jesus begins to appear to his disciples. And there's this scene. The book of John ends with this scene. And here's where I'll end this sermon as well. Because the scene is Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee, sees some fishermen. One happens to be Peter in a boat. And somehow in this conversation, Peter realizes it's the Lord. And so what does he do? Jumps out of the boat, dives into the water, swims up to Jesus. And do you know what's the scene that takes place next? They have a conversation. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, what are your 2023 goals? Like, what are your, what's your plan, Peter, for a better you? Like, that conversation, it's not that. It's not, hey, how was your 2022? Those resolutions you had back then, it's not that kind of conversation. It's a conversation that first happens around a meal. Like, Jesus prepares a meal. And then do you know what he says? He asks Peter a question, not to challenge him, but to invite him in further. Do you know what? Jesus says to Peter, he asks them a question. He says, do you love me? That's the question. Not as a test, not as a challenge, but as an invitation. And I present you with that. Like, imagine the Lord appearing to you with a meal, and he's inviting you to his table, and he's asking you the question. Not as a test, not as a challenge, but as an invitation. Do you love me. So I want to invite us, um, you know, as we do every week, we, we go to the Lord's table. I see some people in here are new uh, to this congregation. I want to tell you and proclaim that you don't need to be a member of this congregation to, to come to the table. This is the Lord's table. If you would go to the Lord's table and see him with your, you know, the, the eyes of your heart, you see the Lord and he asks you, do you love me? If you would say, yes, I, I do, well, then you're invited to this table to receive. So I, I want to invite you to stand and to, in your baskets, there are communion elements. It takes a little bit of uh, making sure people around you have these elements. There's little cups and the band's going to lead us into one last song. And before they do, I want us to, to look at the Lord's table with the eyes of our heart as he invites us in. And so I invite you um, to get the bread out of the top of the cup and to remember that this is the bread. Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life. And if you are looking at Jesus with the eyes of your heart and he asks you, do you love me? Will you receive me? Will you come to my table and you say yes? 
well, then that's the new you inside of you. Like, it's, it's not you, it's actually him. Like, right now, we get to receive the mystery of his body, his blood shed for us, his body broken for us, and we get to receive him inside of us. The mystery of, of eating a bread and taking the cup, him inside of us, that's, that's the new you. It's, and it's not even you, it's him inside of us, his grace making us new. So would you take the bread? Would you break it in your fingers? Would you thank the Lord that his body's been broken and then would you receive it? Jesus also took a cup and that last night with his friends, Peter was there. He took a cup and said, this is a cup of the new covenant. My blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And if you believe that and you walk to the Lord's table, and he asks you, do you love me? And you say, yes, I do. Would you receive this cup with me now? So God, we receive this, these gifts of yours. We receive them with joy. And we, we, Lord, we go from here. We, we, the, the song, go tell it on the mountain. Lord, that's, that's where we wanna go. We wanna say how awesome your grace is upon our lives. How you have made us new. How your grace your faith, your righteousness in us has made us new. And Lord, we worship you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's sing this song together.